Our scripture this morning comes out of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Donna Mitchell will be reading our scripture for us today. As always, you're invited to follow along in your own Bibles. Uh, there where you are, you can follow along digitally, or you can follow along in your paper Bible as well. Again, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you bow with me? Oh, Lord, we thank you for this, your word. Make it be for us the word of life that we might be people of life. And now, God, hide me behind your cross that your message of love and grace might shine through for the redemption of the world through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. This pandemic has made me take a bit of a stock of my life. Uh, over the last, I don't remember, 8, 10, 73 weeks, it seems like I've been working from home. It has gotten long. Those days have gotten long. We as a church staff have been working from home, uh, I think for the last Ridge, 10 weeks, something like that. It seems, like I said, it seems like it's been 123 weeks. I have no idea, but I know that the days are getting long. And, and you may be like me, you, the, days are, the days are getting long. What, I have, what I've taken stock of is my stuff. I've recognized for the last eight or 10 weeks, I have been, I've been surrounded 24 hours a day, almost day after day after day after day, I have been surrounded by my stuff, my, my possessions and, and my wealth. And I have I've begun to take stock of, of, of all of my stuff, all of the rooms in our house, all of the closets in our house, all of the drawers in our house, uh, the, the half of our attic, half of our garage is full of, well, really, even all of our garage, if you count our automobiles, is full of our stuff. And during this epidemic, during this season of working from home, I've, I've begun to recognize that it's not that stuff that I value the most, but I still have it. Oh, I, oh I, no doubt, I'm still holding on to it very, very tightly, even though, even though mo most of my stuff I haven't physically put my hands on for the last three years since we moved into this house. You may be much like me. You have been spending more time than you typically have with all of your stuff around you, with all of your possessions. 
And, I'm, and, and, and again, I may be the only one, but I doubt that I am as, as I have been, I don't know about convicted, but I certainly know that I have been confronted. I have indeed been confronted with my possessions and my wealth. Today we're continuing our sermon series on the greatest sermon that was ever preached. And again, I'm not referring to my sermon by any means. We are talking about the sermon of Jesus, Jesus' sermon on the mount. This is Jesus' longest, um, longest piece of teaching that we find in, in Scripture. So far, we have looked at the Beatitudes, how, how Jesus turned everything on its head and said, where God is present, oh, oh, there is, there is blessedness in mourning. Where God is present, oh, there is blessedness in being persecuted. Where God is present, things, are, things that, that don't seem to make sense make sense because of God's blessings and peace and, and grace, especially upon those who are humble and meek, those who are in significant need. We also looked how we are called to forgive. We are, we are called to forgive, and, and the same kind of forgiveness that has been extended to us, we are called to offer that same kind of forgiveness to others. Just as we don't deserve God's forgiveness, there are some people in our lives that, that don't deserve our forgiveness, our own forgiveness, Yet, if we are going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we must forgive. Forgiveness is not an option for a follower of Jesus Christ. And then finally, last week, we saw how we are called to take our word seriously. We are called to be people of our word. We are called to be people that speak truth, that speak truth. And today, today we are taking a, a look on, on this passage of Scripture about material urges. Again, now, so let me set the stage here just a bit. This, this sermon of Jesus was primarily preached to His disciples and then the crowd that had followed Him around. For much of the, uh, much of the sermon, He is talking about the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God would, would look like and does look like. Some of it is a uh, is a current reality, but there's also an aspect of this Sermon on the Mount that is, again, not just a current reality, but also looking forward to a, to a future in which, in which these things will take place. It's, it's not only a, a sermon about how things are now, there are things about, it's also a sermon about things how ought to be, and it's also an aspirational sermon. These are, these are ways that they ought to be, and in some sense, these are the things that, these are things that will be this way whenever that day comes and God finally has full reign over this earth. And so here, Jesus turns his attention as he has just been talking. He has just been talking about uh, in, in, the previous, uh, in the previous chapter, he has been talking about the Pharisees and, and what the Pharisees are like, and now he's beginning to, beginning to talk about what his followers now are supposed to be like. He has just finished a, a, a lengthy teaching on, on prayer, especially the Lord's Prayer. Previous to that, he had been talking about how to give to the needy, and now he turns his attention here uh, to our... Um, well, our, to our material urges. I've preached on this passage of Scripture 
I would guess at least a dozen times in my 23 years of being a pastor. In fact, here at Oklahoma City First Church, I know for certain I have preached on this passage at least three times. What I have found, what I have found is that Western Christians... Western Christians struggle with this passage of Scripture and Scriptures like it, dealing with material wealth and possessions. We struggle with these teachings of Jesus more than any other teachings of Jesus. We personally struggle with them more. Now, I mean, we, we, may, we may struggle sometimes in our prayer life. We may struggle sometimes uh, with issues of lust or issues of, of being truthful to our, to our word. We may struggle at times uh, with forgiveness as well. But I have found, I have found that this issue of material possessions and wealth, it's what we struggle with the most. It's why I've, I've preached on this particular passage of Scripture more than any other passage in all of my ministry. I also believe I also believe this is the issue that is leading to the downfall of Western Christianity. It, it is not our, it is not our uh, theological differences with one another. It is not this great divide that we have between traditionalists and progressives. It is not even the, the great divide that we have uh, between any of our social issues of our day. The downfall of uh, Christianity in the West, at least up until this point, has been our, our use, or may I, may, may I better say, our misuse of our money and our possessions. Even in the United Methodist Church, even in the United Methodist Church, it has been our downfall. When we, when, when we shifted as a, as a movement into a bureaucratic institution, as, as we moved from a movement that was, that was caring for the poor, that was among the poor, and who was, uh, th that was a movement primarily made up of the poor, and we began to grow here in the United States, and we became a major, major force here in the United States. In fact, one of our early presidents said there are really three parties here in the United States. There are the Democrats, there are the Republicans, and there are the Methodists. That was how powerful this movement had become. And with that power came great wealth as well. And the way that we have abused and misused not only our power as a movement and as, an, as a denomination and as an institution, but also the way that we have abused our wealth as an institution and as a denomination has absolutely been sinful and it absolutely has led to where we are today, teetering on the edge as a movement. Jesus knew. Jesus knew that this temptation to abuse our wealth and possessions, to misuse our wealth and possessions, was the greatest temptation that his followers would ever face. It's why he talked about money and possessions more, more than he talked about anything else. Now, certainly, we know what Jesus said about hypocrites of his day. The hypocritical 
religious leaders of his day. We know what Jesus said about that, but we must recognize that hypocrisy and greed go hand in hand. Where there is hypocrisy, there is always, always greed. It's been that way from the, from the very beginning. You can turn with me to uh, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2, this is not long after the people have come into the promised land. They have become, become established there in the promised land, and they are beginning to come together really as, as one nation, as, as one group. Rather than individual tribes, the Hebrew nation was becoming a, a great nation. And here we have this great high priest, Eli. And Eli was incredibly faithful. He abided by the commands of the Lord. He abided by the commands that we find in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. He was, he was sure to lead all of this great nation, this Hebrew nation, in the ways of the Lord. But then, but then in the second half of chapter 2, we are told of Eli's worthless sons. Hear these words here, the, the description out of 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. The custom of the priests with the people was that when, when, when it was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand, and he would thrust it into the pan or for him, uh, or the kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the fork brought up, the, the priest would take for himself." And it goes on with further descriptions of, of what Eli's sons were doing. You see, the, the Lord had told the people that all of, that they brought for an offering was to be an offering before the Lord. Oh, but Eli's sons, they wouldn't allow, they wouldn't allow that. All of this meat, they thought, was going to waste. It's going to the Lord when we, we could be using them. Oh, the hypocrisy of it all. And that hypocrisy was followed by greed. Oh, this isn't the Lord. This is intended for the priests. Miraculously, somehow, miraculously, God will give our portion as they stuck a three-pronged fork. And I'm guessing it wasn't just a small three-pronged fork. I'm picturing more of a pitchfork size fork as they, as, as they thrust that down into the cauldron and kettle and picked out all that they wanted. It began, the very beginning. Hypocrisy and greed go hand in hand. We know about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the, and the, and the religious leaders of Jesus' day. He called them out. He called them whitewashed tombs. They were pure and white on the, ins on, on the outside, but on the inside they were full of rotting flesh. And we find the exact same kinds of practices that Eli's sons were, um, that, that were, they were doing, the same kind of practices that the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus' day were doing as well. You remember the stories of, of Jesus coming into the temple Two times he came into the temple and turned over the, the tables of the money changers and drove them out with a whip. This will be called, uh, this, is, this should be my, uh, a house of prayer, but you, have, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. 
Jesus recognized. Jesus recognized that, that people were saying all around, I'm rich because I'm so righteous. And because I am so righteous, God is blessing me. Oh, I am rich. And their wealth, their wealth was seen as a sign of God's blessings in their lives. Dear friends, I'm not going to go into the, to the, uh, to, to the great American dream thinking that, that we too believe that if, that, if we're, that, if, that if we're wealthy and successful, obviously God has blessed us, and God has blessed us because we're so much smarter than everyone else. We work so much harder than everyone else, and we're just better than everyone else. God help us in our sinful thoughts and our sinful ways. But Jesus says something different. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust will destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor dust or rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We have a number of choices in this, in this teaching of Jesus. We have a number of to- choices in this teaching of Jesus. We can store up treasures in heaven or treasures on earth. We can live by in, in lightness or we can live in darkness. We can serve God or we can serve money. The choice is very clear. His words are very powerful. You know, it would be way easier if Jesus would have just simply said, here's what you have to do. Give 50% of everything in your bank account, in your checking account, in your retirement funds, and everything in your house. Give 50% of that away. In, in, uh, you know, it, with, within two years, you're good, then you go on about your way. No, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't quite give us that kind of command. It just simply says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Live in light. Serve God. We are called, dear sisters and brothers, to use our possessions for the glory of God. Whatever we have, whatever kind of possessions we have, whatever kinds of stuff we have, Gathered around us, there is where they're in our home, social distancing from one another, working from home. As we look all around our house this week, and we think that we are surrounded by all of our stuff, I would challenge you to begin to ask yourself, how then can we use that stuff for the glory of God? How can, how can we use our possessions? How can we use our wealth for the glory of God. Already in Sunday school this morning, I heard Dan talk about how he was driving down the road and, and, he, and he saw a church that was open and they were, uh, they, were, they were giving food out to those who were in deep need. Dan pulled over alongside the road and he took out his wallet and he gave him some money. He admitted that it wasn't a whole lot, but 
I think this is a great example of, of using our possessions, using our wealth for the glory of God, not for our own benefits, not storing up treasures here on earth, not living in darkness, not serving our money, but instead, instead storing up treasures in heaven, not amassing our wealth, but instead using our wealth and possessions for the glory of God, not living in darkness in this dark and lonely and fearful world, but being a source of light. We're called to be salt and light in our world. And then finally, not serving our money, but empowering our money to serve God. I just suspect... I suspect this week, as you are given opportunities to reach out to our community, to reach out to those in need, especially at the Exodus House in Oklahoma City and the new ministry that we're being involved with, as you too are driving down the road and and you see those in need, as you see ministries beginning to form and, and take shape, I suspect that God is going to be speaking directly into your hearts calling you to live in lightness, to store up treasures in heaven, to serve God and God alone. Would you bow with me? Oh Lord, we thank you for those things that you have entrusted to us, those possessions, our stuff, our wealth. Some of us here at First Church have had an opportunity to, uh, to amass a, a large amount of wealth and possessions and stuff. And we thank you for those gifts. But you have given those gifts to us not for our own good and for our own benefit, but instead so that we can, so we can use them for you and your kingdom, for the good of others. Lord, today, indeed, help us to be good stewards. Help us to take to heart those words of Jesus, to not store up our treasures on earth, but instead in heaven, to not walk in darkness, but to walk in lightness. Indeed, not to serve our money, but to serve you with our money. Oh, Lord, call us to action. Call us to follow you to serve you and you alone. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.